0: a thought. Some things are treated differently around the world. Some thoughts, some ideas are seen differently. So have you ever done much traveling? Maybe you haven't had the joy, the blessing of traveling around the world. I do see some of your faces light up when I say travel around the world. And maybe that's because you've been able to travel around the world, you've had that blessing. Or maybe it's because you dream of traveling around the world. Well, I've also seen where you can travel around the world in many different ways with the many blessings we have today. Maybe you haven't traveled around the world physically, but through reading a book or watching a movie or watching a TV show, you've been able to see how different cultures all around the world treat different things differently. Now, some of the things I think about would be peace or religion or just how we practice everyday life. These things are are just seen very differently, how we worship our gods, our freedoms. Something we love to talk about in America is the freedom we have. But we treat it so differently in America than they do all over the world. We have a different way of doing things. And you know what? That's okay. These are just a few ideas. But I did read a story this week. I wanted to read the story here. It's the story of India, a land of a million gods. Or, in fact, multiple millions of gods. The story said that if you ever go there, you'll see there are many gods. And everywhere you look, cab drivers have gods on their dashboards. The streets are loaded, just lined with religious vending stands. Here in America, it's kind of funny. Our streets are lined with food vendors, right? And I love that because I love to eat. But, and if you ever go to Washington, D.C., or some of those places, the streets are lined with vendors selling fake Oakley sunglasses and fake Rolex watches. Our society, our culture is just based around consumerism. Um, and what can we buy? What can we consume? But over in India, it's based around their gods. There are many gods, there are multiple millions of gods, and people openly worship their gods everywhere they go. In fact, they worship the very trees on the sidewalk bowing down and praying to them people of india are extremely religious and they work tirelessly day and night to try and worship every single and any god they can think of that might be able to benefit them that day they don't want to miss out on the right prayer or the right god for their situation because they definitely don't want to be cursed for their lack of commitment to their gods you see they think that they have to pray just To just the right God in just the right way or at just the right time. Christianity is the only religion in the world which believes that we can never do enough. We can never earn our salvation. God gives salvation to us freely through Jesus and we don't need to try to work harder to receive it. We don't need to say just the right prayer with just the right words at just the right time because we can never be perfect anyways. We're saved By grace, But here's the thing. I truly think, and if you look around the room today, if you look around your life, I think you can see that no matter who you are, American, Indonesian, Australian, I guess I put that in there because I've always wanted to go to Australia, Australian, until I see the huge spiders that they have over there. But no matter who you are, Buddhist, Jew, Muslim, Christian, we all have this idea stuck in our head that we must try to earn it. Think about how you wake up each morning. Every day you wake up and you think, I must be better than I was the day before. Every day as we wake up, we pray to God and we say, Lord, I'm sorry that I wasn't good enough yesterday. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't read the Bible enough. I didn't pray long enough. I didn't give you enough attention. I didn't base my choices, my decisions on you enough. You see, a lot of these things are good. It's good. We do need to be thinking about our life and how are we committing our lives to God. I'm not saying that, that that's bad. But are we focusing on Jesus being the one and only way to the grace of God to salvation? Or are we thinking somehow we have to be good enough to earn that salvation, to earn that grace? So I'm going to read today to you from Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 5. I don't have it on the board today, so there's Bibles in front of you. But I'll read it to you, and next week I'll try and have it on there. But Galatians 1, 1 through 5 says this. Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more here in just a moment, but before we proceed, I want to show you a video clip this morning. So if we could dim the lights and turn on that video. It's only about a
1: minute long. Many, many years ago, the Bible was a closed book and people lived in spiritual ignorance. And the gospel, well, the gospel had been distorted and twisted into an ugly representation of what was once good news. But then on a brisk fall day in October 1517, an Augustinian monk nailed the 95 thesis to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, protesting the Roman Catholic practice of selling indulgences. What happened next would trigger what many historians consider the greatest expansion of the gospel in human history next to the birth of the early church. This movement would come to be known as the Reformation and would reawaken people to the truth that salvation is not based on any human merit, but only upon the grace of God, which he bestows on those who do not in any way deserve it. Sola fide, by faith alone. Sola gratia, by grace alone. These are the doctrines of grace.
0: Thank you. So like I said, it's a very short video, but I did want to bring attention to this because it's so related to what we're talking about today. You see, all of October, the last 28 days, we've been in what many call Reformation Months, and this Wednesday is Reformation Day, as we celebrate the different Reformers of our faith, of the Protestant faith specifically, not just Baptist or not just Christianity, but talking about Martin Luther. Now, I do encourage you, do a little research at home. Each week, I've had a website, Desiring God, from John Piper and his church and editors and different people. They've been sending out different reformers, different preachers who have stood up for the faith, stood up for the truth of the gospel that we're saved through Christ alone. And this was just a little video that got emailed me to, to me yesterday, reminding us That we do think about the reformers. We think about the people before us who openly preached that we were saved through grace. People who ultimately would die for their faith, for preaching the gospel. People who would be banished from their countries, banished from their homes, banished from their families. We're starting a new series today. And the series is called this, Plus Nothing. Grace. Today is the intro to Galatians. And as you you saw me read, we're only focusing on the first five verses. Because we need to think about nothing else beyond the intro. The salutation. We are freed by grace, plus nothing. Grace alone frees us. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing to add to what He, Jesus Christ, did upon the cross for us. Plus nothing. What He did was enough to save us. And it still is enough today. So plus nothing. We can't add anything to it to earn our salvation. Now, there's things that we should do based off our faith because of what we appreciate Jesus has done. But we know that it's not what earns our salvation. It's what shows other people the salvation that we have. And it's what glorifies God. It's what appreciates God for what he's done to us. In Galatians 1, we start out with a salutation. Now, salutation is a very fancy word for a greeting. Now, any time I think of that word salutations, I think of a movie from my childhood, Charlotte's Web. Anybody remember that? When the pig uh, had spun the web, right? Now, we know from watching a movie, it wasn't really the pig, it was the spider. I already mentioned, I don't like spiders. But that was a friendly spider. And it was saving the pig from being auctioned off. Well, anyways, salutations. Salutations is a fancy word for a greeting, and there are many ways that we greet somebody. This could be with many one-word, simple greetings, such as salutations, or possibly other words. We all use different words. Maybe it's hey, hello, hey you. Yo, how you doing? That's personally, that's probably my favorite. If you ever see me on the street, I'll probably yell at you. Actually, come sing. I think I combine multiple. I'll say, hey, how you doing? I feel like I'm from the Bronx or something, but I'm not. It can go into many more meaty greetings, and you can think of some very long greetings that aren't just one-word greetings. Maybe it's like the hallmark of greetings, It's like the hallmark cards, which are so expensive. Or maybe it's the greetings of Paul, the salutations of Paul, as you read the different books of the Bible, the different letters or epistles which he wrote, man, Paul wrote some great salutations to people. And we can learn a lot by how he wrote his greetings to people. But that leaves me to think there's also many different methods that we greet people, especially today. In this day of Paul, in Galatians, it was through letters, through messages delivered. But nowadays it could be through cards, through emails, through text messages, through phone calls, through social media. I'm not going to try and list all the different outlets of social media. Logan could probably mention them a lot better than I could being in the college. But there are still letters, too. And Paul writes some wonderful intros. We're going to get into that in a minute. But first, let's talk a little bit about Galatians. You need to hear a little bit of background. Of course, this is just an intro. So the great reformer Martin Luther, as you saw the little video about. He, had a, he, he just loved Galatians, and he had a saying, and I love this saying. I'd never heard it before until I was researching Galatians this past week, and here it is. He called Galatians his Catherine von Bora. Now, what does that mean? Galatians is his Catherine von Bora. Well, this was after his wife, because he said, I am married to it. Isn't that interesting? He loved Galatians so much that he called it his Catherine von Bora after his wife, saying he is married to it. Galatians has been called the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty and Grace. Isn't that powerful? So Martin Luther nailed those theses, those statements to the door of his church because he believed that the, the Roman Catholic Church was trying to sell indulgences. Now I'm not trying to get into rumors or he said or she said or the Catholic Church says that didn't really happen or anything else, but what I'm going to say is what they basically believed or were saying is this that in order to get God's grace, you had to go to the priest and get the forgiveness. We couldn't just go straight to Jesus Christ. But more than that, the selling of indulgences, what started all that, was supposedly the priests were selling that grace. This is the most detail I'll go into in, in that. But here in this letter of Galatians, we see the author, Paul. Most people don't really argue or debate who the author is. Most people do agree it's Paul. But he's writing a letter to Galatia. Now it's important to notice that unlike some of Paul's other letters, this isn't to one specific city. This is to the cities of Galatia. Paul is writing to cities, plural, of Galatia. Not to Ephesus. Not to to one specific city, but many. Now there's been some debate. Is Paul speaking to the northern cities? Or the southern cities? And I and most, and most biblical scholars, most professors, most teachers, most pastors believe it's to the southern cities. And again, it's been debated, but the reason why most people say it's to the southern is because those southern cities are the ones which Scripture actually speaks of. Doesn't mean that that's not wrong. Maybe he was sending this letter to the northern cities, but we don't have it in Scripture of these northern cities actually having churches planted at. Where the southern Cities are mentioned in scripture, cities like Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. This letter to the Galatians is also thought to be one of Paul's first letters or writings to these churches. And that's very interesting because again, it's as you read, and I don't have enough time to read everything today, but if you just go home this week, read the intros to Paul's different letters, the different epistles. Paul writes very differently to each person. And we do too. As we write a letter to somebody, we have a different purpose or a different intent with each writing. So we start each one out a little bit differently. But since visiting these churches, these cities, and starting churches, and then Paul's moved on, he's traveled away to spreading the gospel to new areas at some point. And at, at some point now, he receives message that these churches... ...are starting to have some false teachings. False teachings had infiltrated these churches, these cities... ...and they're trying to add to the gospel. They're trying to add that they can't be saved just by grace alone... ...but they must add to it the traditions. And not just the traditions, but the Old Testament law... ...the old laws of the Jewish ways such as circumcision. This was betraying him... ...but more 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 importantly, it was also betraying the gospel... So back to a thought on salutations. We can learn a lot about salutations. And as we read this specific one, we see Paul is very direct. Let me read this to you again since it's just five verses, and then we're going to start talking about key words that we see in this. Paul, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's it. You know, there's some greetings of Paul in some of his letters, some of his epistles, which they go on and on and on for many verses, and yet here we have five verses. And not even that. Here in his intro, in his salutation, we really just have three verses. And within three verses, he's already transitioning to let people know the intent of his message. He has a purpose for writing this. It's very much a let's get down to business type of message. And within five verses, we already see that the letter's intent is being summed up as grace. But let's not get to that yet. Verse 1. Verse 1. The key word I want to focus on is an apostle. As it tells us, Paul, an apostle, an apostle. Paul begins this letter with stating who he is, but not just Paul, says an apostle. People are questioning his very authority to write, to preach, to teach. And he's letting them all know that I am an apostle. In Galatia, he's being subjected to great sorrow, having his apostleship called into question. He's defending that he has every right to teach. He has every right to preach. And he has been called by God, by Jesus, to do so. So here's the question that we see. Does he therefore give up his claim to office and retire from the work? Does he therefore just give up on preaching to the Galatians? How easy would that be? He gets message back that these Galatian cities, these Galatian churches are speaking bad of the gospel, that adding to the gospel, They're they're calling Paul's authority into question, and they're saying, Well, Paul doesn't have authority to preach anyways, and what he's preaching, it's just not enough. But no, he doesn't give up, and neither should we give up. We should never give up when it comes to the gospel. We need to preach truth, and we need to preach the gospel in a way which people can understand it, and people can come to know Christ. Don't try and add so much to it it that it just scares them away. Presenting truths of grace and peace to a world which is dying. Infiltrating darkness with light and the life which Christ brings us so freely. Paul had a choice. He could have easily just said, Well, I guess that city's gone. Up, oh, I guess that was a waste of my time. But no, he chose to write them a letter. He chose to present them the truths of the gospel. But not just that. He lets them know that, I do have the authority of Christ. And he goes on to also talk about, I'm not just an apostle, but I'm an apostle not from men, nor by men, but through Jesus Christ. His enemies were basically saying that Paul was never one of the Savior's 12 apostles. He is not like those who are trained and educated by Jesus Christ himself. They were basically saying he's just borrowing other people's work. He's just taking what they have. And we can't really trust what he's giving us. It really doesn't mean anything. We can preach just as good as he can preach. But no, Paul says, I am an apostle. As true as any other of the twelve. Not from men, nor by men, but through Jesus Christ. And the God, the Father, who raised him from the dead. Paul is commissioned by Christ. And we see that numerous times in scripture and in Acts. Numerous times. Jesus Christ commissions him to take the word, to take the gospel to all nations, just like we are commissioned to do so. Do we give up just because somebody speaks illy of us, speaks badly of us? No, we speak the truth that we have. But back to this question, betrayal. Have you ever felt betrayed? Because this is where Paul is at. Paul is being betrayed. He's being betrayed by these cities, these false teachers the false gospel that they have begun to teach. And he's given them so much of his time, so much of his energy. It's not like it was easy back in that day to just write an email, a Facebook message, or to pick up the phone and make a phone call to somebody and tell them the gospel. It wasn't as easy as just hopping in our car and driving somewhere. He spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of his own money, a lot of his own sacrifices were made. To preach the gospel. And now he's betrayed. Think about when you've been betrayed. And how you feel like you've been stabbed in the back. As people are talking behind your back. And you just wish that truth would be known. Now sometimes it's a selfish version of truth. But sometimes it's real. You just, you just wish people knew the truth. Here we have Paul. And Paul doesn't give up. Paul goes to them. Now as we move on. And here's the thing. I, I think what happened is they just thought the gospel sounded too easy. I mean, you have to realize this was a huge culture shock to them. Just imagine us going to India today after church. We arrive in India and we see that person worshiping a cow, worshiping a tree, whatever it is. We say, hey, you don't need to worship any of these things. Just lift your voice up to God and profess that you believe, you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're saved. Just think of telling somebody who for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years has been passed down from generation to generation to family to family that you must do these things. And all of a sudden the world thrown upside down by telling them, no, Jesus Christ has come to save us. He died upon the cross. He rose again. If you trust in him, you profess with your mouth that he is Lord, you're saved. I think it was just too simple for them. So they said they believed. But once Paul left, the old ways began to creep back in. Well, maybe it would be just a good idea if we do this just in case. And then once you let that one thing in, then it's another thing. Then it's another thing. Where do we stop? Before we know it, you get a letter, like Paul got a letter, saying... That this false teaching had infiltrated the cities, the churches. They're they're telling them you're not saved by grace alone. Yes, that's part of it. They now do believe in Jesus. They believe in that grace. But they still try and add to that gospel that you must still follow the old ways on top of the new ways. That's not what we see. Now, we're not going to get too much into that today. But I do want to give you this. We're going to get into grace in the coming weeks the coming months as we look to galatians but today i do want you to think about this this was a great quote i came about in a commentary by charles Spurgeon. may you always have enough of grace to lead you on to a deep and joyful peace let me read the whole statement they had to you here charles Spurgeon says it is the genius of the gospel to wish well to others Hence, Paul begins the actual epistle letter with a benediction. He says, grace to you and peace. Why does he say this? Grace to you and peace. Grace rightly comes first and peace afterward. Peace before grace would be perilous. Not only so, but more. It would be ruinous. May you always have enough of grace to lead you to a deep and joyful peace. The two things so together very Go together very delightfully. Grace and peace. And it's the best of grace and the best of peace. Since they come from God the Father. And of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man that sums it up well doesn't it? Within three verses. Verse three says grace to you and peace. Paul starts out this salutation. This greeting. And within three sentences. Three verses. He's already telling the Galatian cities. That they are preaching the wrong gospel. Grace comes through peace. And that peace is through Jesus Christ and his salvation. That is it. You receive grace when you have the peace which only Jesus Christ can give through the cross. And may you always have enough of grace to lead you on to a deep and joyful peace. Jesus Christ. Paul was writing the letter to the Galatians and he was eager to get at his purpose, at his task. So within three verses, he's already telling people. He didn't spend a long time writing this long letter, getting to his point. He stated, I am Paul. This is the letter. This is me writing it. I am an apostle, not from men, not through men, but through Jesus Christ. And then he starts going into his purpose of writing the letter. That they may know that they may have grace through peace. In Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, verses 4 and 5, who gave himself for our sins, and here we see the great doctrine of atonement, which Paul always brings to his preaching and writing as soon as he can, that Christ was the atonement for our sins. We needed him to cover our sins for us, to save us. Martin Luther says, Christ never gave himself for our righteousness, but he gave himself for our sins, Because there is no other way of saving us except by a sacrifice for sin. Christ was our substitute. The substitutionary character of Christ's death is always to be noticed. We need to notice that Jesus Christ is the grace that we need. In order to rescue us, again, going straight along in Scripture, verse 4 and 5 who gave himself for our sins in order to rescue us. Jesus gave us the best thing that anyone could give. He gave himself. He gave himself. Jesus didn't just come and say, My thoughts are with you. He didn't just come and give them the miracles and the healings. That was great, and that was part of his work on earth. But it wasn't enough to save us just by healing us our physical ways. We need, to be, we need to be healed spiritually. And that was through the cross. Jesus gave us himself. This was a great sacrifice. A great sacrifice for Jesus, but also for the Father, as he gave his one and only Son to die for us. And what a, what a hard thing that would be is we weren't even worthy. We didn't deserve what he gave us. But he gave it to us freely so that we might have grace, which leads on to a deep, And joyful peace in Paul's day the world was a horrible terrible place the gladiator shows the murders the killings just for entertainment the many wars the many battles the many cases of adultery and worshiping false gods false false idols but we still do these things today the world is still a horrible place and we still need Jesus We still need His grace to cover us. It also says the present evil age. In order to rescue us in the present and evil age. He wasn't just talking back then. He's talking today. We still need today delivered from the present evil age. We're living in a present evil world. But we can't stay out of the evil world. We need to be in the evil world so that we can present the gospel to these people. How are we going to present the gospel to somebody today? the grace of God today? Plus nothing. You're saying, we're not good enough. <clears throat> and that's hard to say in a world which this is kind of not politically correct. We're told time and time again, we can't put somebody down. We can't say something negative to somebody. you might affect them. But we do need to know we're not good enough. We can't add anything to ourselves and our own lives to earn our own grace. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. There is one last illustration I want to end with, and I'll give you some points. This illustration was titled, Comparing a Straight Stick to a Crooked Stick. It says, I have heard of one who preached much against certain heirs. But there was another servant of the Lord who never preached against those heirs, but who always proclaimed the gospel right out straight. When one asked him why he did not attack the heirs, he said, I do preach against them most effectually. If there is a crooked stick about, and you want to show how many crooks there are in it, you need not do anything except lay a straight one down by the side of it. And the crookedness of the other stick will be detected at once. So the apostle admires, extols, and adheres the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, in the best possible manner, He introduces what he has to say concerning concerning the errors of Galatians. You get that? Sometimes the best way to point out the errors is by pointing out the good version, the truth. And when, when you have the truth set in front of you, when you have this straight stick, you can see how crooked the other way is. How much it just doesn't make sense. How wrong it is. So the application for today are these, and apparently black was a bad word, so I'll read it to you, bad color. God should be gratefully recognized as the giver of all life. Are we gratefully recognizing that God is the giver of our life, our peace, our joy? Number two, these gifts are for you without cost. We cannot earn them on our own, but they should change you. Despite the fact that we can't earn them, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't change us and we shouldn't be trying to live according to God's ways after. Number three, we are freed by grace. And this grace gives us peace, life, and joy. And then lastly, what are you writing in your salutation? Paul does not hold back his words here. He goes straight to it. He points out the straight stick so they can, they, they can see how crooked their stick is. Grace and peace to you. This is the good news. The good news which I hope all sees. May close us in prayer as the worship band comes up to end with one final song. Oh Lord God, thank you for this message you give us in Galatians. And thank you for Paul's words. Grace and peace to you. May we focus on that. May we focus that it's by your grace that we have peace. A peace which goes beyond all of our understanding. Anything that we can understand in our own humanly sinful minds, we just think we need to earn it. We need to wake up each day and do something better. The world has us deceived, though. We can never do something better or good enough to earn our grace. It's only because of grace you give us that we're saved. Thank you. Lord, may we share this grace through our salutations to other people this week. May we say grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who saves us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.